Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And we have returning in quarter four our good buddy Jeff Byers to talk wrestling. And obviously, Dustin, we're going to be talking Penn State football. But I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about that Penn State Nittany Lion basketball team. Quite a performance at the Big Ten tournament. And I'll tell you what, they don't give up. It, I had them, you know, dead and buried with about five or six minutes to go. And they made a game of it. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of times you think about coaching and you think about skills improving. And that's obviously a huge part of it. But I think, you know, putting your stamp on a team is also response to adversity and competitiveness when it when it looks bleak. And I think that's one thing that you can undeniably say about this Penn State team is that whatever the circumstances are, they're still swinging the, in, until 40 minutes is up. And, and they did that against Purdue. It just wasn't quite enough. But, man, they, I don't think they had much. They, they didn't have much business making that a game, but they did. And they were in position to tie or win it. Just didn't happen for them. It, that is exactly it. And I've said this before. I'll say it again. If I'm in the tournament, I don't want to face Penn State, okay? I just do not want to face this team. And we are going to this week, fingers crossed for uh, Dusty, but our good friend Jeff Brown is going to make an appearance uh, a little bit later this week. We'll talk all things Penn State basketball. But first, we, let's get back to the gridiron. Let's talk football. You know, there's so much excitement, Dusty, about this team coming into 2023. But it got me to thinking it's it's obviously the furthest thing from a walkover. You know, Penn State still has Michigan and Ohio State, not just in their conference, but in their division. So where are the issues with this team? What are your questions going into them? And what are your answers for them? Let's start at the very top, the biggest question mark for this team. And I know we all are hoping for the best, but Drew Aller, is he the answer to our prayers for that big time (laughs) quarterback? I mean, I really think he is, uh, but it remains a question. And, and I don't like I, the nature of this show is to look at the questions that this team has. And I think it's worth saying a couple things. One is that every program in America has questions that they have to answer this time of year through the summer. It's the nature of the beast with turnover and uh, coaches leaving and, and all that kind of stuff across the country. There are questions for every team. So Penn State's got its, its share without a doubt. And one of them having to do with Drew Aller um, and the quarterback position, I think there's an assumption that he's the answer right now. And that assumption is kind of built into how the national media has portrayed this team and, and the bullish outlook they have. Uh, and I think it's, it's, it's all pretty reasonable, but it still, you know, comes down to, okay, Drew Aller has played well, very well. He's played beyond his years in terms of his feel for the position when he's seen the field. 
But, you know, the demand is a little different in terms of preparation, in terms of, um, you know, playing one series after the next. It's just a different outlook, kind of like being a reliever in baseball instead of a starting pitcher. So now he's going to be a starting pitcher and he's going to have to play the long game. He's going to have to, you know, shake off bad drives and get back in there in in the next one. He's going to have to see, obviously, first team defense. And so, yeah, you can have some questions about how that all goes, but you know, I, I do think we saw enough of him, although a lot of people wanted to see more of him, myself included. We saw enough of him in in competitive situations last year to see that there are some early makings of special, not just tangible stuff, because all that is there. But I think intangibles, his feel for the position, you know, watching him climb the pocket, he just moves with um, confidence and poise. And he moves like a quarterback who's been through it a million times. And I've gotten kind of a peek at how he's trained over the years, even going back to high school. I mean, he is has a big time outlook on this position. And I do think he's the answer. And I, I, I will not be surprised one bit if he is an upgrade over Sean Clifford in year one. You know, and and I, I get all the intangible stuff that Clifford brought to the table, and and the leadership, and the and the play calls, and being an extension of the coaching staff. Drew Aller will have to grow into those things, but there are also things that you can do with your arm and your legs that make opposing defenses respect it. They have to guard every every square inch of the field, and I think that's going to happen with Drew Aller. So I think there's a, there's a a better than average shot that he ultimately proves to be kind of an upgrade at the quarterback spot. There's no doubt in my mind he's got the higher ceiling. The question will be, a year ago, Penn State's opener against Purdue, Sean Clifford made a big mistake in the game fairly early in the second half. The interception returned for the touchdown. But Penn State, late in the game, was down, and Sean Clifford drove them the length of the field and won that game and played like a senior, like a veteran. And – Will Drew Aller have to face that times that kind of situation, and will he be able to come up large and be able to do that in his first year as a starter? And you know what? If you stay at the quarterback position, and I don't, and I'm going to have multiple questions here, Dusty, about backups, but you have to do that, and especially in a position like quarterback. We saw a couple years ago what happens when you throw a quarterback out there who's not prepared for prime time. And is Pro Bo Perbula ready, a guy who has not taken an official snap in a game, would he be ready if something happens to Drew Aller, even if it's just for one game? Yeah, I mean that that is a huge question. And and you know, you you transition from the Purdue game to to ask this question. And the Purdue game is is a very good talking point as far as this goes. Start the second half, Sean Clifford's not out there. Drew Aller gets his number called the very first week of his very first season and has to hold the line, if anything. And I think everybody was kind of having uh, flashbacks to take one Roberson at Iowa and more. And you're worried about that. Drew Aller played like a champ and he, he, he wasn't affected by the situation. And that's what you have to ask with it when it comes to Bo Perbola is if he's thrust into that very same, you know, position. And that could be for a series. It could be for a snap. It could be for a half. It could be for two, three games, whatever the case might be. If Drew Aller is forced to uh, miss any time whatsoever, you're going to have to rely on a redshirt freshman uh, to get that job done. And to that, I would say a couple of things. One, 
I think Bo Perbola, you know, some of his best qualities coming out of high school at Central York were his mobility. And I think like moxie for the position, you hate to overuse that, that word, but he's just kind of got that, that, that vibe to him. And I think that's a pretty good combination. If you have to play in a pinch is if you can run a little bit and if you've got a little bit of guile that you can, you can step up and, and competitive and, and, you know, bizarre situations. I think Bo's got that. And then the other thing I, I, I would think, and I would hope, and it certainly looks this way by, you know, what they post on social media and stuff, but I feel like the coaching staff in terms of its investment in Bo Perbola and practice reps and how they've uh, brought him along and developed him. I feel like they've learned from the Taquan Roberson situation. And I think that, that they're going to have him better prepared uh, than Roberson was. And and I, I feel like that's an admit, that's a mistake that they would admit that they made maybe not by choice when Mike Yersich came along and, and they needed every rep they could get with Sean Clifford. They, they didn't give much to take one Roberson. And so I think they're going to change that effort and, and, and fix that for, for next time. So I think Bo will have a better set of skills than Roberson. He'll be better equipped at, at that, at that moment to come in. And I think he'll spend more time in more game situations at practice. You also feel from everything you saw on film with him when from high school and everything you hear about him that the moment would not be too big for Bo Perbola, which it obviously yeah. was for Taquan Roberson a couple years ago. And, you know, continuing down this line, Dusty, of worrying about backup positions, and, you know, it's kind of comforting that we are worried about backup positions. And I'm going to go to running back. and. You know, our buddy Andy Shea has told me I'm worried about something I shouldn't worry about, but maybe I am just conditioned by the past. Because of the Taquan Roberson at Iowa game, I'm worried about backup quarterback. Because a couple years ago, we thought we were in such good shape at running back, and then Noah Kane and Journey Brown go after one series of the first game of the season, we're down the the two best running backs on the roster. Well, Penn State has as good a running back tandem as there is in the country. But after the first two, where do you go? And, you know, I'm not so concerned that can those two guys handle the load. They can. There's no doubt about that. But running back is where you take a lot of hits. And even if it's not a season-ending injury, one of those guys goes down for a game or two. You need at least one more guy to play that position, don't you? You do. Uh, and, and, you know, Penn State, unfortunately, when it comes to the backup quarterback and the third string, fourth string running back, has recent examples of why you should be asking this question at this time of year. And it is, you know, to only be asking questions about backup positions, which is for the most part what we're looking at uh, in this show, is a good thing. And I think Penn State has so many big-time athletes that they don't have to be perfect at every position. But, yeah, I mean, for if Nick Singleton or Catron Allen, not both, just one, if one of them goes down, now you're suddenly looking at, for whatever period of time that is, Probably your true freshman Cameron Wallace um, being your number two back and probably, I guess, Tank Smith being your number three back, if, if I'm guessing. And so that really goes you're taking this from an absurd strength, Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. You know, it's ridiculous to have that one two pairing uh, in your backfield and you can divvy up the reps between them. Uh, 
you go from that being a, a ridiculous strength to really a question at the second spot and the third spot and down the line on the depth chart. So you need to, you know, kind of cross your fingers and, and hope that these guys can stay healthy, or maybe they can distribute reps in a way that helps them stay healthy. Maybe you get Cameron Wallace as much time as you possibly can in early games where you're, you're a heavy favorite and you, uh, and you get that chance. So he's as ready as he, as he can be. But yeah, this is a little bit of a nervous situation because all it's going to take is one injury for a short amount of time, and it's going to change how they have to manage everything in the backfield. Nobody wants for either Nick Singleton or Katron Allen to get 30 touches a game. So they want to try to avoid that the best they can. Uh, I feel like the coaching staff is going to do a good job of making sure Wallace is ready uh, or Tank Smith is ready. Whoever's ready for that number three job, they're as ready as they can be. But yeah, this is this is a legitimate question that we were, you know, Penn State fans were, um, you know, lucky enough not to have to visit them last year. So we'll see what happens. I, I like their chances to stay healthy, but uh, they're going to need to. And you mentioned you did not mention London Montgomery. He's the other freshman running back coming in. Remember, he's coming off a major injury, missing his senior year of high school because of it. Would he possibly be ready? I'm sure. Penn State would rather redshirt him, but we, we shall see. All right, Dustin, I'm not done with questions. Come back quarter number two, and Dusty will have the answers. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to quarter number two of our show. I'm Jim Galante. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. And this is our show where... I'm asking questions and Dusty has the answer. So don't let me down here. You've been doing well to this point, Dusty. <laughs> but uh, let's stay on the offensive side of the ball. We already talked quarter, quarterback and running back. And a lot of the questions were about the backups. And you've got to, in a long football season, worry about that. Another place where I'm not going to talk starter. I'm not going to talk backup. I'm going to talk third string again. And that's <laughs> at tight end. 
And normally, I don't think this is a position that, you know, hey, you're worried about third string tight end? Come on. But Penn State established last year something with their three tight end formations. Now, maybe a lot of that was Mike Yersich looking at the field and saying, I got three really talented tight ends. Maybe not so much at wide receiver. Let me do something with those three good tight ends. So maybe it's not as big a concern as I would like to make it. But, Dusty, we've seen that T formation. We've seen multiple ways where they get three tight ends onto the field. Do they have the talent to do that again this year with the third tight end? Yeah, and I think I don't think I really stopped to think about, you know, what was the chicken and what was the egg in that situation? Did Mike Yersich identify the strength of his tight ends and decide he wanted to go that route, or did he like that particular package? Probably some combination of the two. So, so yeah, I mean, the the third string tight end, given how uh, how nice that package was for them, especially last year, it, it is almost like talking about a starter. You know, over the past two seasons, we had talked about Tyler Warren all as, as a as a as a you know starter type because he played so many important snaps. So yeah, they're looking for that third tight end now, and they do have some candidates for that job, which I think is encouraging. Um, I really like Khalil Dinkins and and what we saw from him um, last year in in bits and pieces of, of games, and he's a little bigger um, so far this off season. Uh, maybe is, is prepared to to play a role there. I don't really know, you know, how physical he is, you know, how how willing of a blocker he is. I, th- I think it's a requisite for the job there. It's hard to get along uh, in that tight end room if you're not a willing blocker. So I feel like that's part of it. Um, but I, I like him to be that third guy. You know, there's there are three freshman tight ends in the 23 class coming in. Jerry Cross was injured for a good chunk of last year and, and was, is a redshirt freshman coming back. So it does give you a bunch of different options. And uh, it does kind of it's hard not to think that one of those guys won't have a great spring and or a great summer and make make a pretty clear case for the third tight end. Uh, I think Khalil Dinkins being the most experienced of that group, he looks plenty talented to me. I know he's a three-star recruit coming out of North Allegheny, but he has looked really good to me um, in these situations where he played. I think he's going to be good. I mean, he's not Brenton Strange. Uh, Brenton Strange being, you know, such a good savvy veteran blocker and has made his share of plays through the air. But um, I don't know if they need him to be, you know, if Theo Johnson is healthy and his best self, you know, he can be a star a much bigger star than Brenton Strange was. Uh, now you've got Tyler Warren, who is very much deserving of being at least a number two tight end. I think he deserves more opportunities to make plays, whether as a blocker uh, or a receiver. And so now if if it is Dinkins, you have, you have a third guy in there that um, might not be Tyler Warren either, but still, I mean, this is still a really good group. And I think w- at least one of those guys is, is going to make a name for themselves um, and, and earn that third tight end job and make some really good contributions. I'll tell you what, Dusty, and you absolutely know that the Penn State coaching staff listens to our show, right? Yeah, Here's I mean, my answer to that question. If they want to win, Jim, I mean, th- Obviously, yes. That goes, <laughs> it goes without saying, right? So here's here's my answer to the third tight end. I think we need like a 3A and a 3B. 3A is Mega Barnwell. He He's up to, what is he? Uh, he's up from 250 to like 265. If he's the guy you have on the line of scrimmage as that third tight end, 
what a blocking tight end he should be at that size. But I want to see him catch a pass, okay? Yeah, I big man, that big man TD. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want a third tight end, I, I think you mentioned it, Dinkins, Jerry Cross, even Andrew Rappelier, the freshman who looks so good. There's someone out there, depending on what you want from that third position, I think there's a lot of options. But you know what I really want to say. All right, go ahead, Dusty. I just wanted to make, if that role unfolds for Mega Barnwell, I'd like to petition for an official name name change to Mega Blockwell. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I'm just I'll putting it out what, there now. Trademark it. Anyway, <laughs> let's shift from third string. Let's talk to top of the room. Let's talk wide receivers. And you know what, Dusty? It feels like there are so many options that they have at wide receiver. You have the guys coming in from the transfer portal and Dante Cephas, Malik McLean, which we're hearing rave reviews about him um, during winter workouts. You have the guys, the holdovers, Trey Wallace, Amari Evans, of course, Keandre Lambert-Smith, who's the veteran of the group, been around a while. You have Caden Saunders, who we thought so much of coming out of high school. But my question to you is, do we have a wide receiver number one? Do we have the lead guy among that group somewhere? And do we need one? I, there, I don't, I don't know if I know the answer to both of those questions. I, I think, I think that quite like, I, I really like Dante Cephas. Every major program seemed to really like his ability to transition from the Mac to, to major conference and make an impact right away. I don't know if it's the best case scenario for to ask him to be a, a number one wide receiver, I mean, I think you would hope that your incumbent, the guy who's been around a while, the guy who closed 2022 on a pretty high note, Keandre Lambert-Smith, is ready to really battle and compete for that job and, and win it. You know, you would hope that your your guy who's been in your program for, for three solid years and played such a big role as a third wide receiver is ready to make that jump. Uh, and, and I think, if anything, the arrival of these two transfers does make it clear to Lambert Smith, like he's got to work for it, he's got to earn it, he's got to compete for everything he gets. Uh, I think maybe that makes him better. Um, I, I don't know that there's a, a true number one here, though. It would take a big leap from Keandre Lambert Smith, I think. It would also take uh, some real uh, justification for Dante Cephas and Malik McLean. You know, oftentimes guys are transferring for a reason. Uh, so I don't know if you're comfortable with one of those guys being your number one, but uh, to another point, I think the glass half full here says, you know, if you've got a transcendent quarterback and again, it circles back to the very first question we asked, is he that guy right now? Is he going to need a little time uh, in Drew Aller? If you've got that guy at quarterback, he, I don't think you need a number one wide receiver. I really don't think you do. And, and, I, and I think he can throw guys open. I think he can get um, guys in the right spots. I think you can manage your way around that, especially if you've got, you know, an NFL caliber tight end, NFL caliber running backs behind you, a good offensive line as your supporting cast in front of you. You can maybe bring along some of these wideouts. And if you put four or five guys out there who are on a relatively even uh, tier, I think you can manage your way around that if you've got the right quarterback. I And I've said this before, and I, I, I don't want to pick on Sean Clifford because he did such great things, ended on a high note, but I don't think he was, was ever really going to be that guy who elevates um, other players around him. I think he needed the right talent around him. I don't know if that's true for Drew Aller. I think you're right, and that's the other part to this. I think the answer is they don't necessarily need a number one guy 
if they have different skill sets among those receivers, do they have the big guy? Do they have the possession receiver? Do they have the tight end? Do they have someone who could beat you deep? And it feels like they kind of have those different pieces here. I think uh, Malik McLean, with his size, could offer something that Penn State doesn't have in the wide receiver room. I think Trey Wallace has shown enough. I like Liam Clifford I as a possession receiver, as a guy who could just get himself open, use his body uh, to, to box out a defender. I think there's the pieces there that maybe they don't need that clear-cut number one guy. We shall see how that's the case. Staying on the offense, Dusty, you know, you mentioned the good offensive line. For the first time, I think actually, forget James Franklin, I think even the fan base believes we've got a pretty good offensive line that we're put together. My question to you, though, is what exactly does that mean? I mean, we've got a guy at left tackle in Fashionu who's has All-American capabilities. He chose to come back when he could have been a, a top 10 draft pick. There's a lot of different pieces returning. It seems like there's more depth. But what's it fair to expect from them as a group? I mean, I think every, every time most Penn State fans aren't over being hurt by this position over the last, let's say, 10 years. They're, they're not quite through that. So every time that there's been a level of expectation and there's been, you know, oh, this is the year, um, they haven't been able to deliver on that. I know there's been different coaches and, and all that, so it's not fair to lump these guys in, but I feel like last year they delivered on that. And it, it just so happened to be the year that James Franklin refused to say anything positive about them uh, in his news conferences and stuff. So maybe that was the key. But now, I mean, of course, losing Juice Scruggs uh, hurts, but uh, it does seem like uh, Hunter Norzad is ready for that that job uh, at, at center. May, so you can't really assume that transition is, is perfect. Uh, I think it's going to be fine. Um, I look at, you know, a, a number of guys, uh, young guys, Drew Shelton, uh, Javen Williams, and Alex Birchmeyer, the two true freshmen, um, and, and then a, a sophomore in Shelton. And they're not really expected to be prime factors, but I think they're capable of being prime factors. So I think you look at the guys who aren't projected to start, and it's them, and you're like, okay, this group really is in a pretty good spot. You need Landon Tangwall to come back healthy. Uh, I, I, I think it's fair to count on Fashion there. I'm curious, you know, Caden Wallace, is he really going to prove himself better than Drew Shelton over the course of a full season? I'm, I remain on, on, the, on the side of, of Caden Wallace moving inside to guard because I think he could be an upgrade over Sal Wormley there. But you have options at, at these positions, and it's been a long time since you've had really good players like Olu Fashion and depth and young talent and all this stuff coming together. And then you've got, you know, another good group of offensive linemen set to come in after this. I think Penn State's offensive line is finally at a place where you can have expectations and maybe not get hurt by them. I'm glad that you did at the end mention Tangwall because I believe he was injured before he was injured. Okay. Before he was out with the injury. I believe that him and fashion on the left side together, that's a great way to start that offensive line. And there's enough pieces, as you pointed out, if it's not Caden Wallace, maybe it's Drew Shelton at right tackle. There are options there. I'm expecting a lot from the offensive line. 
Dustin, we got one more quarter before Jeff Byers comes in. I'm going to start asking you questions about the defense. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. He's Dustin Hawkinsmith. I'm Jim Galante. We're talking Penn State football. Quarter number four, Jeff Byers will be along to talk Penn State wrestling. So this is our last segment on football, Dusty. And you know what? We've been, I've been asking questions. You've been given the answers. So far, so good. You've been giving answers. Do not stop. I don't want wishy-washy. Well, it's hard to tell. No, I want answers. Be definitive as possible. We've I'm been. Try, I'm trying to be concrete. Even when I'm wrong, I'm trying. I'm trying to dig in my heels on this. Right or wrong is not an issue. Just be definitive. Be confident in your answer, Dustin. Oh, that sounds like a, that sounds like America today in a nutshell, right? That's the <laughs> that's the the motto for America. Say it with confidence. You yep. know, we've been talking about the offense with most of the questions. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball, where I happen to be very confident in the team overall on defense, which is really amazing when you think. They lost P.J. Mustafer. They lost Joey Porter Jr. They lost Jair Brown. These are premier players. And the interesting thing to me is I'm not all that concerned about Joey Porter Jr. and Jair Brown. And you know I'm a huge fan of both of those guys. But the loss of P.J. Mustafer just brings up that question about the defensive tackle rotation. Do you have that one technique? Do you have the big guy who can clog the middle? Part two of the question is, do you need him, Dusty? I I like both parts of the question. Um, The first answer is they don't have a P.J. Mustafer 
on the roster for 2023. And unless there's some surprise pull, which I had seen some kind of heat on defensive tackles and, and a, a new one or two guys in the transfer portal, we'll see about that. But as we sit here right now, there are two guys on this roster at defensive tackle, two scholarship guys who are 300 plus pounds. You know, PJ Musfer was what, 330, and he moved like he was 290. It's hard to replace that. Uh, you know, Caleb Artis, can you expect him to play a big role right away? I don't think so. Uh, unless he makes a big leap. Devon Ellis, I think we've seen enough to say that he's a pretty good little role player, uh, but I don't know that he's your number one guy anywhere. And then outside of them, I mean, you look at the the roster that was recently updated. Zane Durant weighs 275. He plays bigger and stronger than that. Hakeem Beeman weighs 256. I don't know what that means in terms of what they're going to ask him to do this year. Kaziah Izzard is 291. Jordan Vandenberg is 286. So, the, you know, I think most of their most accomplished players are all south of 300 pounds. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's ideal, but I do think you can manage your way around that. And I'm, I, you know, you, you think about, uh, and this is a theme I think for the whole defense is that the strength, ha- the strengths of it have shifted a little bit. Uh, and I think the strengths of it are in the edge rushers, which they have a chance to be outstanding uh, in 2023, just out. I mean, they were really, really good last year. I think they can be even better uh, this fall. Uh, and then the linebackers too. And so if your linebackers are strong and if you've got, you know, big safeties that you don't, don't mind putting in the box, maybe you can manage your way around uh, getting, getting a little bit of push on the offensive side uh, up front. I don't know, but I think that's what Penn state is going to be trying to prove uh, this year. And I think for the most part, most teams that you're going to play aren't going to be all that interested on picking on that particular spot. But there is one team, uh, the, the Michigan Wolverines, who will feast if you allow it at that spot. They will stay committed to the run uh, if, 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 if it's working for them. So that's a little bit of a worry for that particular matchup when you had P.J. Mustafer this year and Michigan still ran all over you. So I don't know. Maybe you can spin that as a positive. Like you had Mustafer and this still happened. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, I think for the most part, you're not going to get killed for this in the, in this day and age where most teams are, are still trying to spread you out and, uh, and, and score that way. But it is a little bit of a concern for a couple matchups over the course of the season. And they are going to have to, you know, make up for that in some way or another. And I do think they have some tools to make up for that. Like if you have standout linebackers, I think that can help. Uh, guys who can shed blocks that can help if you've got big safeties who, who you are, are going to lean on and run support, which they're developing that can help. So I think, I think there are some ways to minimize this, but without question, I think this is the biggest question they've got on that side. I, I think so too, Dusty. And you mentioned Michigan. I'll mention two more teams to you and that's Illinois and Iowa who they face both those teams early in the season. I believe they're both in September and we know what Illinois did to this Penn State team a couple years ago. You know, you know they want to turn it into a rock fight. They would they have like nine offensive linemen on the field at the same time? It certainly seemed that way. And yeah. that's a team that will try to take advantage of that if they sense that weakness there. And I was another team that might want to make it a fight in the mud with you. So I do have some concerns there, although I've become such a Manny Diaz fan that I think he'll figure something out. And I guess that's the question. 
question, you know, Manny Diaz, I thought, had such an effect on this defense last year. And every year in college football, there is obviously turnover. I mentioned earlier, you know, Jair Brown, Joey Porter Jr., and P.J. Mustafer uh, leaving. But there's still so much talent on the edges with the defensive ends, you know, like uh, Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac. Linebackers, your position of uh, where your elite players are, Abdul Carter, Curtis Jacobs. Will he be able to adjust, do you think, now that he's got a lot of talent again, but the talent's a bit adjusted? Yeah, so I I think, and this will be fascinating too, is, you know, how how much of last year was his true blue philosophy and how much of it was, you know, adapting to the talent that he has. But I feel like last year uh, he used the talent that he had, you know, I don't want to say to perfection, but just at a high, high level. Without a doubt, um, I think he'll be able to do that. And I think you know the other thing is all along the defensive line, especially when you look at Hakeem Beeman at two fifty six as as a tackle. It's like I I don't know what to make of that still. But um, if you don't have a guy who can really occupy blockers and beat double teams, if you don't have that guy, uh, but what if you have maybe more guys on this defensive line than they've had in a long time who can penetrate? who can beat their man one-on-one. If you don't have a guy who's occupying multiple blockers, but you've got three guys who win their one-on-one matchup, shouldn't that still be um, a net victory for the Penn State defensive line? It should be in theory, but if you've got, you know, on the other side of the ball, you know, 310, 320, 330, and you're going out there with 250, 250, 260, size can win. Yeah. And, and, you know, fortunately, Penn State is not that small, fortunately, um, but they they are, I think, I don't know what what you would say the average weight of a defensive tackle is. Let's say let's say it's 290. I don't you think that sounds about right. They've got they've got several guys who are below the average defensive tackle weight. And so it's going to allow them to do some things in passing situations. It's going to, it's going to hinder them. I think against teams that will stay committed to the run, particularly, I think in America, Illinois and Michigan are really high on that list. Teams committed to the run. Yes, they are. Um, Let's go, let's do take a look at the uh, defensive backfield and specifically the cornerback room. You can't lose a Joey Porter Jr. without being affected by it. And what we saw the last couple games when Joey Porter was out is I thought Johnny Dixon stepped up. You know, you have Kalen King. But in in today's game, you probably need more than two cornerbacks. Does Storm Duck come in and fill that void, Dusty, where the cornerback room Again, you're not going to replace a Joey Porter Jr., but do you still fill that room with three competent cornerbacks? I think so. I mean, I think the fact that they um, have had Johnny Dixon and he's made strides and he's been so valuable really bodes well for the evaluation and the implementation of Storm Duck for North Carolina. Similar situation, you know, guys who have played really meaningful um, time at another Power Five conference. Uh, transfer him for a fresh start someplace else. And Storm Duck, I would fully expect him to be, you know, the number three corner outside of, you know, Daquan Hardy being a nickel guy. Um, 
I think Cam Miller, they really seem to like Cam Miller. Their, their disposition on Cam Miller, um, you know, who will be a true sophomore next year. He burned his red shirt this past year. I think they really like him too. So I think you're going to have less star power here. But I think Kalen King can be almost as big a star as Joey Porter Jr. was last year. And I think Johnny Dixon, you know, deserves an uptick in playing time and he deserves a bigger role than he's gotten. So I think they're going to be still very, very competitive there. And I mean, when it comes to the whole defensive backfield, I think the pass rush is going to be so good. It's going to help every single one of these cornerbacks do their jobs. And I think if the pass rush is better than it was last year, it's it, it does have a really positive effect on, on um, these cornerbacks and, and what they're being asked to do. And finally, Dustin, my last question for you. A year ago, we had like true freshmen come in and excel, not just contribute, but excel. And Abdul Carter, almost like a generational talent, a Nick Singleton. And even though Drew Aller wasn't on the field as the starter, you knew he was coming. Do you see any player who's going to make that kind of contribution, whether it's from the true freshman class or maybe a redshirt freshman? Do you see that coming? The the two guys who are true freshmen who I think can make a similar impact. And actually, I'll, I'll go with three. But the two guys who are best at the intersection of talent and position need. Uh, King Mac at safety. I think there is a need for a, a, a dynamic player um, to, to make a run at that spot. Um, and there is room since you're going to play four or five of them. And I think he, he can run so well, it's going to be hard to keep that off the field. And I, I just feel like he's got a chance to really be good right away. Elliot Washington, who is now officially listed as a cornerback. Penn State had only listed him as a DB before. He's listed as a cornerback now. The cornerback depth chart does lend itself to, to you know, a special freshman uh, moving up there. And then Tony Rojas has been so good so early, and he's so quick and has, you know, really good established skills at linebacker. They're going to have a hard time keeping him out of the mix, too, even though they've already got uh, three starting linebackers back, plus another one or two um, who have been good as well. But I think Tony Rojas, it's just going to be hard to keep Tony Rojas off the field. It would be nice to see this influx of talent and contributions. We got spoiled in 2022 with so many freshmen stepping that was crazy. up. It it really was. That uh, you don't expect to see that. We hope this year, even if it's not a superstar, we do get cut some contributions. Dusty, that's it for the football portion of our show. I'm going to let you take over quarter number 4. We talk wrestling with Jeff Byers. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network.
StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. We're back, quarter number four of the Keystone Kickoff Show. As promised, we are shifting to postseason wrestling with Jeff Byers joining the show. NCAA is coming up. Thursday through Saturday, and it is Penn State's time of the year. Uh, this is a team that has proven again and again that it can wrestle at a very, very high level, as well as they've wrestled all season through Big Tens. The best version of this team always seems to show up. And Jeff, I don't know if you've spent a ton of time around them or, or watching training. Like, what's what's your take on on where they're at, how loose they are, and how ready they are for for opening day here on Thursday? Yeah, I think when you look at the the uh... This team as a whole, I, I think it's just a group that enjoys being around each other and embraces the opportunity to try to compete. And that's really, at the end of the day, all any coach wants is, you know, guys that are going to go out and, and compete uh, hard and be there for each other. And I think, you know, there's that element of gratitude that we talk about all the time. And I think these guys really are uh, just looking forward to having the opportunity to get out there and compete on the, the biggest stage, um, really maybe in wrestling. I mean, obviously the Olympics are a bigger deal, but in terms of the energy that is uh, generated from the crowd and the feeling around an event, I don't know that there is anything better uh, than the NCAA tournament in this sport. Yeah, and I think it's just, you know, wrestling championship events as a whole are just, you know, from a spectator's point of view, it's just like an all-you-can-eat buffet. There's so much going on, but I got to think, you know, one of the tricks of the trade and one thing that Penn State has mastered is being able to cut through all that noise and cut through all that energy and get back to a place uh, of focus, and they've done a really good job of that. Uh, They're going out to Tulsa this time around, and I know just a, a... just in general, Penn State build as a deserving favorite. They've gone head-to-head with most of the best teams in the country this season in dual formats, and they've won those. But I think the team, I don't know, they might be even better equipped from a, um, a tournament standpoint as well. Let me frame it this way. What's it going to take for Penn State to not win a national wrestling championship, which everybody seems to expect to happen? Yeah, it, it would take a combination of, of Penn State really stumbling at a couple of spots. They'd have to have, you know, the, the two redshirt freshmen not place and, and probably not score uh, more than a, you know, a couple of points and have some of the, you know, bigger guns, again, just get caught uh, somewhere along the way. And then in addition to that, you know, I really think Iowa and Missouri are the only two teams that have enough firepower that even if Penn State stumbles, uh, they, they could make a run. I mean, Missouri has enough top-end guys. They would need, like, Keegan O'Toole to, to win the championship and uh, and beat David Carr this uh, time around. And um, But I think those are the two teams that, that have enough firepower that if they catch fire, 
Uh, and again, it would take that combination of Penn State having a really subpar tournament and one of those teams having probably at least three wrestlers uh, wrestle above their seeds um, and, and probably will need at least one to wrestle a good bit above their, their seed in order to make a, a serious run at Penn State. I want to talk about seeding again because this had come up with the ranking, the, the coaches' ranking system, and I know there are, are reasons and justifications for it, but do you think it would just in general be good for there to be like a czar of common sense, the, la- the, the last set of eyes to go on these seedings and rankings, and somebody just to say, okay, Aaron Brooks is not the third best 184-pounder in the country. Uh, Max Dean is not the ninth best 197. Um, I think that could probably be true for, you know, the, the czar of common sense could be used all kinds of places, but it just, it's it just, it just feels a little off, right? Like the, and, and I know you got to beat everybody. You got to, be, to beat all the good guys anyway, but at the same time, I think both of these guys for their body of work have commanded better positions in their brackets. Yeah. I think it's, it's tough with the, the criteria that they use now. I mean, Aaron obviously got hurt by not having enough matches under his belt on the RPI, uh, which factors in for 10%, you know, he, he got zero on that. And I think that ultimately, uh, I mean, I haven't seen exactly the breakdown, but I'm, I'm assuming that's what uh, cost him. Uh, the, the one seed is just not, not having anything in the RPI. And 197, to be honest with you, is just such a <laughs> hodgepodge this year. I, it, it is really Everybody's difficult. being everybody. Yeah, and you know, and listen, Max Dean obviously didn't do himself any favors uh, with the, the loss to Allred. That was a, a tough loss to take at that stage of the season, and you know they they dinged him pretty good for it. Um, as you said, I mean, at the end of the day, truthfully, a guy like Aaron Brooks, I mean, you could seed him thirty three, and it's not going to matter uh, if he yeah. wrestles the way he did at the Big Ten tournament. <clears throat> you know, he's just not losing, uh, and th- there's a lot of really good kids in that weight. And I'm not saying it's a lock for Aaron Brooks, but I'm telling you, if he wrestles the way he did at the Big Ten tournament, he's winning the national title. Um, and Max Dean, you know, it's we've seen him make the adjustments uh, before. I, you know, I think he got a little out of sorts after he gave up that second takedown to Allred. Uh, and, you know, 197 to me is just the most fascinating. There's a lot of weight classes there that I think are going to be tough to project and you can see a lot of different things playing out but 197 is the one to me Dustin I mean there's to me there's at least 10 and maybe 12 14 guys that if they get hot uh, this coming weekend they, they could be the guy on top of the podium and that's just kind of a, a wild scenario going into it yeah and and you know Max Dean ends up on the top half of the bracket with the top seed there Nino Bonacorsi from Pitt uh, they would see each other in the quarterfinal round if they both uh, advance through. But in order to do that, Maxine will also have to go through Silas Allred from Nebraska, yep. who is the eight seed. And that would happen uh, in the round of 16. So there's, you know, there, there's a path there without a doubt. And I think it's just kind of incumbent upon your veteran guy who you say he's, he's out of sorts after that second take that. I think he's been out of sorts on several occasions this year. And maybe that, that journey comes around full circle and he's the best version of himself. I mean, I would never bet against that, but this is a wide open race. And I think, you know, Max Dean, in terms of the team race, I don't know if he necessarily needs to win this weight class, but, you know, if he falls victim to chaos, that would be, that would be a tough blow for Penn State as well. 
Yeah, you know, to me, the, the three guys that I'm looking at as to, you know, whether Penn State kind of wins this thing comfortably or whether it could be, you know, pretty competitive going into Saturday uh, is Max Dean and, and whether, you know, let's start with, again, he's a nine seed. So let's start with, you know, can he get on the podium, uh, number one? Uh, and then, yeah, how high up uh, can he get? And then I, I still keep coming back to the two redshirt freshmen. I, I just think both Shane Van Ness and Alex Facundo are uh, really special. And I think, you know, their best days are certainly ahead of them. But I think both of those guys are capable certainly of getting on the podium and, and probably getting pretty high on the podium. But obviously, as 13 seeds, it's possible neither of them, uh, you know, all American. And I think if, you know, if all three of those guys, the, the two redshirt freshmen and Max Dean, don't All-American, uh, then that's where there's at least a, the possibility of that door opening for somebody to, and again, to me, it's only Iowa and Missouri that uh, realistically could push in through the door there and, and sneak this title away from Penn State. I want to play a quick game of beat the seed for two guys who I think, you know, also kind of key to this. Let's start at 141, Bo Bartlett, the sixth seed. What are what do you think uh, are the odds that he does better than that uh, on, on the podium there? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. And again, I've just been really high on the way Bo has wrestled and some of the adjustments he's made in the room here over the course of the last probably six weeks. Uh, of the regular season, and he's just uh, taken the initiative to, to create a little more offense for himself and to find ways to uh, score off of his attack and not just you know wait for an opponent to make a mistake. And I think that's going to be a uh, real key for him. And, yeah, I think he's a guy uh, that is going to be right there. I, I think that weight class is also kind of intriguing and I, I think Bo Bartlett is is a guy, you know, I'm going in expecting him to finish higher than his seed. Uh, but it's also, it's another weight class where, again, it's going to be one and two point bouts in a lot of cases. And do I think it's, uh, you know, unreasonable to think he might not place? No, I that certainly is a scenario that you could see playing out. Uh, yeah, I would agree with you. He's, he's probably another one that's real key here. Uh, and I just, I like the mentality that he has right now, at least heading into the tournament. And and he is going to find himself in position at some point in this tournament, probably pretty early on where he's got to chase a takedown in the third period. Yep. And that's going to be, that's going to be the test of tests to see if that, you know, the adjustment he's talking about um, shows up at NCAAs. The other one, um, and I was just at the state wrestling championships over the past few days. And I had several people ask me about Levi Haynes and, you know, uh, if, if I had seen, this type of uh, performance coming. And I think I did. I mean, he was nationally ranked as, as a freshman at Biglerville and he only got better, but the, you know, I think the, the effort to move up to state college, um, sit out his senior season, as much as there'd be a lot of people who don't want to make that a trend, I think it served Levi extremely, extremely well. In addition to the work he's done with David Taylor um, at M2 Training Center, you know this this is a kid who's gotten really serious about his training, and this is what the outcome is. He's the two seed at 157. How much do you like him to to back that up uh, this weekend? Yeah, I I love it. He he is just such a, a special kid. I mean, he 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 puts me in mind. Not that he's been scoring the way David Taylor did as as a redshirt freshman for Penn State. But in terms of the, the, the combination of tremendous talent, 
uh, work ethic, but then just that that attitude where he's he's just so competitive uh, and he's not afraid to, to let it fly. He's not afraid to try uh, the big move and the big moment. Uh, and he's just, uh, again, he's a guy that is, uh, you know, setting up for a legendary career regardless of how this uh, coming weekend goes. But, yeah, you just see it with him. Uh, there's just certain guys that have the the complete package, and he, he's one of them. And, and for a, a kid – uh, who is 18 years old. I mean, you know, a lot of times you'll see some of these kids that are uh, freshmen or redshirt freshmen. Uh, it's, you know, parents that held them back. And I and that's fine. I don't read anything into that that I have a problem with that. I don't. But what is really remarkable about Levi Haynes is, if anything, he is young for his uh, age uh, and, and where he's at in his career. And to be able to do what he's doing, that, that victory over Rob is about as impressive as anything I've seen in college wrestling this season. Uh, to get that takedown with the authority that he did uh, in overtime in your first you know, collegiate postseason tournament against a guy that's been wrestling for five years at the collegiate level and is on top of his game right now, um, that is, I, I just don't think you can overstate how special that stuff is. That's Jeff Byers here on the Keystone Kickoff Show, previewing the NCAA tournament. Penn State's home away from home uh, as a wrestling program. And that's it for the show here. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to Jeff. And we'll see you next time here on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.